Your Newcastle. Welcome to Your Newcastle, Season 2. I'm Nuatali Nelms, Lord Mayor, City of Newcastle. Today on our podcast, we're talking about our climate action plan at the City of Newcastle. And I'm joined by co-host today, Deputy Lord Mayor Declan Clawson. Declan knows a thing or two about the environment. He holds a Bachelor of Environmental Engineering from the University of Newcastle. And more recently, he has graduated with a Master's in Sustainable Urban Development from the University of Oxford. Welcome, Deputy Lord Mayor. Thanks, Lord Mayor. And thank you for having me back on Season 2 of Your Newcastle. It's wonderful to also be joined by the City of Newcastle's Sustainability Manager, Adam Clark. Adam has been working with us at Council on Sustainability for almost a decade. Welcome, Adam. Good morning, guys. Good to be here. Declan, tell us a little bit about your journey. I will, but just before we do, Adam has been a bit modest in his introduction. He is an exceptionally highly regarded council employee, award-winning for the environmental leadership across New South Wales councils and Australia, and is a Churchill Fellow as well, looking at environmental sustainability. So he's the right person to be joining us this morning, Lord Mayor. He absolutely is. It's been wonderful having someone of Adam's calibre working first on our carbon and water pollution reduction program, which we finished in 2020, but also doing all of the background work on our new Climate Action Plan, which we adopted last year. Adam, tell us a little bit about that journey over the last decade with the City of Newcastle. Yeah, so as you mentioned, we've been working quite a lot in the emission reduction space over the last 25 years nearly. Had a very strong focus early on on energy efficiency and and reducing our energy use across the city. As renewables started to become uh, more mainstream, we've rolled out a very big program in terms of rooftop solar, built a five megawatt solar farm out at Summer Hill and now we're starting to move into our next focus of emission reduction. Thanks Adam, it's wonderful to have you working so closely alongside with all our operations at Council, reducing our own footprint and our own admissions, but also the new Climate Action Plan really looks like what we can do together with the community to have a whole of community approach here at the City of Newcastle to reducing our emissions. And we've set a target for that net zero emissions at 2040. Declan, tell us a little bit about that journey for you. Yeah, I'm really proud of the city's leadership in this space. And as Adam mentioned, 100% renewable energy is used in our city's operations. We were the first council in Australia to achieve that. It's exceptionally exciting because it's it's meant that the council really is on the front foot in terms of the transition that's happening not only in the the local economy but of course in the global economy as well when we talk about net zero emissions we're talking about how it is that we reduce the impact that we're having on the environment overall and looking at ways that we can really decarbonize uh, our electricity usage but also things like our fuel usage and and moving our fleet for example to uh, to electric and of course emerging areas of technology as well like batteries and hydrogen that are that are really at the forefront of where the city might develop. So what we have set for 2025 in our new climate action plan is a 20% reduction in electricity use, 100% of all installed lighting throughout the city to be LED or equivalent. And that's a hard ask when we don't own the lighting assets. 50% reduction in our liquid fuel base and a 50% reduction in our carbon emissions for our own operations. And this is on the back of the work that Adam had just mentioned at Summer Hill. And Summer Hill is our waste management centre. And we had an old landfill site. And to meet our 
2020 targets for our carbon and water pollution reduction program, together with Adam, the leadership of the councils like yourself, Declan, got together and worked out that we could actually meet those targets we'd set in 2020 by delivering that five megawatt solar farm. That was a really important step change in us being able to meet those targets of our 2020 plan and exceed them. Your Newcastle, your podcast. Got feedback or suggestions for us? Connect via the podcast link at newcastle.nsw.gov.au. Adam, tell us a little bit about that project. Yeah, so as you mentioned, we had a renewable energy target for 2020. It was actually set at 30%. You know, back in 2010 was a quite ambitious goal to achieve. As we began rolling out uh, some of our rooftop solar, we realised that we needed to look at a sort of a much larger deployment as a a mid-scale solar farm as an option. So that project was developed over a number of years and we identified a disused landfill site at, at Summerhill Operations Centre. So that's now been up and running. It's, it's a five megawatt solar farm, as you mentioned, at about 14,500 solar panels. And we're starting to look at you know future options for that site as well in terms of feeding that electricity more on site to things like an organics facility and how in future it could you know charge our garbage fleet even. That's a really interesting point when we're talking about the circular economy and those discussions and those words are used a lot and I'm not sure that there's a broad understanding in the community of what that means but practically speaking for us and just to clarify maybe Declan, the idea with the circular economy is that with our organics facility operational at Summer Hill uh, with the 5 megawatt solar farm with electricity generation on the site, the next phase, how do you see it? Is that to charge our fleet of garbage trucks? Yeah, absolutely. The circular economy is a really exciting thing about how we better utilise uh, our waste to create new products, especially an area for local manufacturing and how it is that we can take things that would otherwise have gone to landfill like our organic waste, for example, and turn it into high quality products that can be be sold and utilised locally, create new jobs. Our Summerhill Waste Management Facility is really at the forefront of what the circular economy could look like for Newcastle and the Hunter region because there's so much potential to to better utilise the products that currently end up in the the landfill site, instead creating things of much greater value. The fact that we've got the energy generation from those 14,500 solar panels sitting there at at Summerhill, as well as we've got an on-site power station that burns our landfill gas. So we're really creating an energy hub in addition to those very traditional uses of things like landfill. It's it's very exciting to see the potential of that, that site and how it will drive jobs, particularly in this region, especially in manufacturing in years to come. It is really important. I think we've seen during COVID and the supply demand issue with just a range of uh, products and also services that rely on sometimes imported products, that the idea of sovereignty and being able to, you know, bring back manufacturing in that skill base that exists in a really high quality way here in Newcastle and the Hunter is a huge opportunity to create jobs. Adam, you've been doing a lot of work in this area. Tell us a little bit about that work. Yeah, just picking up that discussion on circular economy, I think there has been this strong focus on reuse of materials and things like that, but it also I think is broader in terms of how you shorten supply chains, as you mentioned, how we start to source manufacture and consume materials in the local region and make best use of you know the skills and knowledge base that we have and as we go forward you know there's been a lot of work done in this space as how we start to take advantage of those opportunities.
Our climate action plan that we have just adopted for the next five years, I've run through those targets. Can you talk us through what that means in a practical sense, both for the expectations of Council's stretch targets in reducing our uh, particularly carbon footprint and uh, reducing our fuel consumption, but also how we are moving to look at a whole community response? So I'll throw a few facts and figures at you in terms of our electricity reduction targets and our our street lighting LED upgrades. We're currently sitting at about 60% LEDs with about 9,000 street lights already at LED. Our current program, which is already well underway, is about to upgrade a further 4,500, which will bring us to that 90% LED target already within the next year or so. That's that $5 million that's in this year's budget. Yeah, so we're already starting to see them roll out across the city and create a much safer lighting and and obviously more efficient lighting as well. One of the big sources of emissions now that we've moved to 100% renewable electricity is fuel use, as you've mentioned. We've started looking at options in that space. We've got some electric vehicles in our fleet. We've been rolling out EV charging stations. We've got an electric tipper truck on the way in a couple of months and starting to look at some of our bigger plant and equipment and how we can electrify that in future. So that's a that's a really big area. We use about 1.6 million litres of diesel a year. So to get to that 50% reduction target by 2025, that's 800,000 litres. So a big stretch target, but, you know, I, we've, we've done it before. And then finally, I think one of the big areas of emissions is our Summerhill Waste Management Centre and having that organics facility come online it's in the design stage at the moment and diverting all that food waste from landfill will have a great impact in terms of reducing emissions there. One of the really exciting things particularly Adam talking about the changes in our fleet and looking at moving towards uh, electric and then in the future perhaps hydrogen and other forms of of energy to uh, to be powering our fleet is that it actually creates a secondary market as well it's how we make electric vehicles in Australia more affordable for everybody is by uh, agencies like councils and governments looking at uh, at bringing forward and investing early in, in electric vehicles so we of course have been rolling out electric vehicle charging stations to reduce that range anxiety that exists with many people in the community but we're also trying to do the right thing as leaders too when we're replacing our fleet uh, looking at options to bring on on new forms of electric vehicles not just in the passenger vehicles like cars but also uh, the the higher end trucks and garbage trucks and the like it's a um, it's a really important part of getting this transition to work. And it's good to be doing it at a local level. I'm very proud of being part of a progressive council that is prepared to take real action on climate change. And we've committed some time ago to the Paris Agreement. We've committed to these targets. And what I can see, particularly around Australia, is local governments at the the forefront of really addressing policy and the community's desire to have a better planet or just have a planet for our grandchildren's grandchildren. And if we can't do it here in the Hunter, given we are such big energy providers, both domestically and internationally, whether it's through resources and exports or whether it's through our own grid network here, then it's not going to be achieved throughout the country. This is really the region where we do need to deal with that energy transition. What's happening in your Newcastle? Subscribe to our mailing list at newcastle.nsw.gov.au. I know, Adam, you've been working with a number of different businesses and community groups and leaders around hydrogen hubs here around the port. Tell us a little bit about that work. Yeah, so we've we've long sort of 
realise the benefit of working together closely with with key organisations across the city and and key community groups. We've done that in a whole range of areas. We're doing it in circular economy at the moment. We're doing it in renewable energy, down to small business where we've recently announced some grants where we're looking at providing funding for rooftop solar for small business and not-for-profit. And then in the, the sort of macro level, we're looking at what does the future of energy look like there's a lot of interest in the Newcastle region around renewable hydrogen. We've got state-based focus, we've got federal focus, we've got obviously a, a port that's a traditional energy exporter. So in future, you know, what could that look like in terms of exporting renewable hydrogen to the Asian market, for instance? And how do we start to help business and industry transition and lower their emissions in, in hard-to-do spaces beyond just electricity? So that's by like you know, transferring gas usage over to renewable hydrogen, for instance, and starting to build that vision towards that net zero Newcastle. Hydrogen is really important because it actually shows how we can help change the global economy and create new opportunities too for Novocastrians. It's surprising, actually, we've had a podcast about climate change and we haven't yet spoken about the need, the urgent need to take action on climate change. And part of one of the reasons for that is that there is so much opportunity for a region like the Hunter where we uh, where we do this right, invest early and see some of the positive benefits. And, and hydrogen that essentially uh, allows us to export renewable energy from Newcastle to the world, either in amazing green products like green steel is one of the the opportunities or exporting uh, energy through the port of Newcastle in the form of hydrogen means that we can take advantage of the skills that we've got in energy and traditional energy but also moving that towards renewables so uh, that is really the opportunity when we talk about green hydrogen it's a mechanism of transporting renewable energy created here in Newcastle and the Hunter right around the world. There's also that secondary employment market when you're talking about manufacturing and steel. Steel is obviously a highly sought after product. Australian steel is very high quality and we were known as a steel town producing obviously through BHP. There are still a number of steel producers here in Newcastle and having that skill set and that manufacturing set and those jobs here are very important high skill jobs that supply product um, in many different facets to industries, to other manufacturers, both as a, a primary and a secondary resource. So there is not just the, the climate emergency component, there's also the jobs component. And if we are making that transition that is inclusive and can actually contain those and protect those jobs that are here, but also create new ones, particularly those opportunities in manufacturing, I see it as a real win-win for Newcastle. There's really a lot of thinking that goes into this, but there's also opportunity for people to take leadership and action and I know at local government levels around the country I know fellow mayors in Sydney and Adelaide and Melbourne have come online with their you know 100% renewable uh, electricity supply for for their councils as well and there's quite a movement within local government I'm involved with the ICLE Oceana group global covenant of mayors and I can see action happening in city and region you know across our area but we are struggling really to get that action at a federal level uh, state-wise we are a renewable energy zone I was really interested at the opportunities that would also create for say wind energy and 
using that as an alternate supply for our grid network, given that we're already seeing the, the shutdown of existing power stations that supply a lot of the energy to um, us here and obviously New South Wales. Maybe you could tell me a little bit about the opportunities around wind. There are some great opportunities locally uh, with wind from the micro scale. So there's a local startup, Diffuse Energy, that's doing phenomenal work in Newcastle at small scale wind turbines that are extremely efficient and able to, to work in remote areas, providing backup power, for example, for telecommunications towers, um, providing alternatives and expanding the grid for many hundreds of kilometres with all of the, the large costs that exist and reducing the need to have backup diesel generators, for example, all taken from local R&D expertise from the University of Newcastle delivered by Novocastrians. From that end of the spectrum, right up to the enormous end of the spectrum where there's amazing opportunities off the coast of Newcastle with potential future offshore wind that could provide a really substantial portion of the state's energy demand, uh, ensure that we're able to continue to provide low cost and high volumes of energy to places like Tomaga and Aluminium, who are really uh, significant energy users, but also really important local employers and providing an opportunity to to make a shift towards a cleaner way of producing some of their products as well. It seems like a a real win-win in terms of ensuring that aluminium production, which is a primary product needed in the manufacturing supply chain here onshore, as well as potential exporting. But there's also that question around that baseload supply and the large amounts of energy consumption that is needed to make aluminium. And that actually can be solved with wind, offshore wind. And that option, I think, hasn't been really teased out enough yet in Newcastle and the Hunter. And I'm hoping in the ensuing years that we will see that as a really viable option also the the jobs that it creates just if we can have the manufacturing of those turbines the maintenance of those turbines all those jobs would be here in newcastle on the hunter which i think is a really important component as well discovering your newcastle is easy download the city of newcastle app to keep up to date with what's happening in your city adam where to next for your work at the city of newcastle as, as we mentioned there's a focus still on reducing our operational emissions but more importantly, also working with the city using our knowledge and experience with other business, with industry, with residents and the community about how they can start to reduce their emissions as well through things like renewable energy, supporting the uptake of electric vehicles through our electric vehicle charging stations across the city. Really great to see more and more as I go past these stations, they're, they're filling up with all kinds of new EVs that are coming onto the market. So yeah, it's, it's that focus on internal operations, but also working across the city, working on some of those bigger partnerships as how we can move towards that net zero emissions future. Yeah, it's been wonderful to be an exemplar council in this space, really looking at how we can significantly reduce our carbon footprint here at the City of Newcastle. As you mentioned, this journey started 25 years ago under the leadership of Greg Hayes and the Pathways to Sustainability movement. We've ebbed and flowed over those years, but there have been some great people just like yourself, Adam, working at the City of Newcastle in this space. We've also seen some great input from many of our elected representatives like the Deputy Lord Mayor over the years that have really helped keep pushing Newcastle to the forefront of actually addressing what is probably one of the greatest challenges of our time, and that is truly addressing climate change. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Lord Mayor. Thanks for having me. That's your Newcastle. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review us wherever you listen.